ABF Creative. ABF Many define athlete success by the number of MVPs earned, all-star appearances, touchdowns scored, baskets made, or championships won. But the real wins occur off the field. When we watch and hear our sports stars discuss the topics that matter in the pursuit of equality and social justice, these voices should be heard, celebrated, and most importantly, shared. These are the real sports heroes. Time to look in the mirror and ask ourselves, what are we doing to create change? They're just so happy to see a black man who will stand up and jeopardize every court he's got to tell the truth. I'm seeing things happen to people that don't have a voice, people that don't have a platform to talk and have their voices heard and affect change. We will definitely not shut up and dribble. I would definitely not do that. Being an NBA player don't exclude me from no conversation at all. First and foremost, I'm a black man and I'm a member of this community. Go after your dreams. You don't allow anything to take you away from your dreams. Hi, I'm Kiara Luck, a sports and entertainment enthusiast who has the privilege to be before you as the new host of Real Sports Heroes. By definition, a hero is a person who is admired or idolized for their courage, outstanding achievements, or noble qualities. Being a hero doesn't have to be grand. It's the little things like responding to a fan, playing pickup in the neighborhood, or simply using your platform to evoke change one moment at a time. On this episode of Real Sports Heroes, I'll be speaking with kickboxing superstar and multi-sport legend, Fridia Cheetah Gibbs. Fridia will be the first woman athlete honored with a statue in Pennsylvania and the first woman martial arts statue in the entire world. Listen to this incredible story of triumph, love, dedication, and defying all odds to become the world's most dangerous woman. Here's my conversation with Fridia Cheetah Gibbs. First off, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Um, I'm super excited to talk with you because anytime that I can celebrate a black woman, like I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. So to right. be able to be in this space with you and talk about your accomplishments in a world that is kind of scarce, you know, for black women, you don't see too many of us in that space. I'm, I'm just thrilled to learn more about you and hopefully my audience will see what a true real sports hero you are. So to start out, um, I was looking at your documentary and Mike even looked at it, my producer, and he was just Uh floored by it. So just tell us a little bit about your upbringing. Um, I have tons of questions um, concerning Mm -hmm. it, but, you know, just give us a brief overview of growing up in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Well, you know, there's no saying, you know, there's a diamond in the rough. There's Mm -hmm. always a diamond in the rough. You dig in the rough. But we got to discover it. So I grew up poor. It is what it is. I grew up very, very poor in Chester, Pennsylvania. And Chester is one of the first cities in the state of Pennsylvania. I just recently learned that. I grew up in the projects. and uh, But we were happily poor. Right. So we didn't know that we were poor. That makes sense? Yes, it does. We had no idea. We got our clothing from Salvation Armies, wore secondhand stuff, clothing and things like that. But we were just happily poor. And um, But we had a lot of love. 
Mm-hmm. And this is one of the things that I share with my very wealthy friends today because I'm on a whole nother level. You know, I see all this wealth that you have, but you're lacking love. Yes. Yeah. You did? You're lacking love. When I came, we, we were poor. We come in. My mom would hug us. You know what I mean? Kiss us. Glad you're home. Get upstairs. Take a bath. You know what I mean? Come on and have some dinner. You know, and we smelling that food. You know right. what I mean? You dig? You guys, you got all this wealth. Your kids coming. You know, I have, I've been here three years and I've yes. not seen you hug your child one time. So we had lots of love, not a lot of materialistic things. So, and, uh, you know, my mom, she, my mom, my grand, and also we had a very strong support system. You follow what I'm saying? We had a village. When I was growing up, Kier, if we did something wrong out in the world, we got three or four whippings before we got home to mom. <laughs> and when we got home to mom, that was the big one. Right. You did? So I first want to talk about, um, you said you were bullied growing up. And um, seeing how bully is, you know, nowadays it's, even on the federal level, it, it has more attention than it did growing up. Even for me, it's kind of crazy, you know, being my age yeah. and growing up. I didn't really hear it being talked about on a larger scale. So just talk about how bullying kind of built you up and pushed you into the direction of your career. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, my God. That's how I've gotten to martial arts is uh, by being bully. And to this day, when I go and give speeches, kids can't believe it. But it's true. You know, and I'm glad that I've been used as an example. Growing up in Chester, Pennsylvania, you know, project, et cetera, I was bullied a lot. My mom, she was the type of woman, you better not get suspended. And believe me, she was a fun mom. She was the best mom. But when she put it on you, when she did the TTAU, she did the TTAU, if you know what that means. You know, do you know what that means? I, I don't. Tear that. Yeah, yep, yeah, there we go. Okay. That's it. So you <laughs> I got, got it. the TTAU. Got okay, got it. <laughs> But uh, she was awesome. And so we weren't allowed to get suspended from school. And, um, you know, I wasn't going to get suspended. I'm not going to disrespect my mom. And kids are going to be kids. That's the way they are. I was bullied a lot, uh, Akier, because of the way I'm built. I was built like an athlete. I didn't know at the age of 10, 11, 12, I'm built like an athlete. I didn't understand why kids were teasing me because of the way I'm built. I didn't understand it or the way I looked. You dig? Mm-hmm. You know, they teased me you know, and, and, and they forced me to do their homework. In fact, I call myself trying to be clever. Okay, so they're bullying me. They're attacking me. Right. I've done nothing to these people for them to attack me. So why are you attacking me? I wanted to get into their mind. Why are you attacking me? Because you're smart and we need help. Well, if you need help with your homework, just yes, ask me. That's it. Yeah. Right? Just ask me. So that's how it all starts. So what I learned from my grandmother is to embrace negativity. You dig? Embrace your enemies. Show them love. You know, she's always, show them the positive side. You know what I mean? That there's a better way. Am I making sense to you? You're so I call sense. myself embracing my en- enemies, Kiera. Mm-hmm. And everything was smooth for about three months because I was doing their homework. So I didn't have to run from the school bus. It was kind of cool. Then I got tired of doing their homework. Mm-hmm. So I told him, look, you got to do your own homework. And then that's when everything started again. And my mother at the time had no clue that I was being bullied all this time. She didn't know. She found out the day that everybody else in my entire family found out because they didn't know. 
is the last time when I was coming home, we were coming home from school mm-hmm. and I didn't do their homework. And I remember these three girls to this day. And they remember me, too. But I'll tell you that story, too. I, I, <laughs> please, I want to hear that story. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's really funny. It's really interesting because I know that we all have these experiences. So I didn't do their homework. My, and um, I'm on a school bus. And everybody's on a school bus. And she's, they're like, I'm going to get you when we get off this school bus. And I'm terrified. Literally terrified. Because I'm little. Yeah. You know? And uh, everybody got off the school bus. And this is going to be a part that's going to be in one of our projects, perhaps. I wanted to put this on projects. but uh, And I was on a school bus with the bus driver. And I said, Miss uh, Bus Driver, can you do me a favor? I said, if I get off this bus, they're going to get me. I said, since this is not your last stop, can you take me to the next stop? Mm-hmm. And then I can get off. She said, no, Miss Gibbs. She said, this is what I want you to do. I'll never forget it. She said, I want you to walk to the back of the school bus and unleash that emergency handle and make sure that door is cracked just a little bit. I said, okay. She said, then I want you to run back to the front of the bus. I said, okay, and come stand next to me. She said, then when I count to three, I want you to bust out that door and run home as fast as you can. (laughs) Kier, I did exactly (laughs) what this lady said. I walked to the back of the bus stop bus and I unleashed the thing and everybody outside walked to the back of the bus stop. You dig? Uh-huh. So I walked back to the front of the bus with the bus driver and everybody outside went to the back front yeah, of the bus, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. She said one, two, three, and I was gone. I ran out, bust out the back of the bus. I'll never forget this here. And I was running like a black superwoman. Go! Everybody couldn't, they couldn't catch me. And I bust into the door, my mom's door, like a black superwoman, and slammed the door. She was playing cards, everything just fell off, and that's when she discovered that I was being bullied. Have you ever been bullied? I, yes, yeah, you have. I have, I have. We all have. I can't even front, I, I definitely have. Luckily, it never got to the point of, of doing that, but I, I was definitely bullied in, in school. It's, it's not yeah. fun. But you said that um, bullying made you contemplate suicide. Um, yeah, how, you yeah, know, so it was. What, uh, yeah, what? Talk about that and how you changed your, your, your mind on that. Yeah, before my mom and everyone knew what I was going through, I was dealing with this uh, uh, trauma and this, ad- this adversity and this hell within that no one knew about but only me. You understand? Mm-hmm. And I'm just this young kid. And I'm thinking to myself, because I'm a thinker, you know, why should I allow them to to hurt me and trap me in bathrooms and try to kill me? Why would I do that when I, sh- I could do it myself? I'm not going to let them hurt me. Am I making sense to you? Yes. So that's the way I was thinking. I was I was allowing the enemy to take control. I didn't know how to handle the situation because I'm just a kid. Mm-hmm. You understand? Mm-hmm. It was something that I never experienced before. So that's why I had I had to figure this out because I, I went on for a whole year of being bullied and nobody knew about it. You understand? I embraced them. It didn't work. You understand? So look here. Then they're going to get me again. Look here. I, look, I am not going to let these people kill me. Yes. I'm not going to let them kill me. Before I let them take me out, I'll take my fucking self out. 
that's the way that I thought as a kid. A kid should be thinking like they that. Shouldn't. You're right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. What would you have done? How would you have handled that situation for a whole year? For a whole year. Well, mine's lasted more than, more than a year. So, but yeah, it's, it's it's easy to contemplate suicide when you feel like you're in a black hole with with nothing else. You know, you're, you're scared to tell people because you don't want to look like a punk and. It's it's definitely um, a scary time um, trying to realize your strength in such and um, in, in such weakness because you you don't know what to do or who to trust. So, yeah, yeah. I get it. Believe you me, I, I get, get it. it exactly. You know, and I'm just this kid. So once I learned, and my self esteem was obviously my self esteem was extremely low then, but my my family didn't even notice it. You did because I was safe when I was home. I was protected. It was when I went to school where I always felt danger. You understand? And I was always surrounded by these enemies, people who, for without any cause, disliked me and wanted to attack me. Right. You did? Yes, ma'am. Without any cause. Yeah. So... Before we move on into like your professional career, um, yeah. what would you say to kids who are going through this now? What would your advice be to them? My advice would be to look at that nine minute and 43 second video because it's very, very important. You understand? You got to feel the energy from it. That makes sense. You got to feel it because it's real. But my advice to them is to understand, to realize that tough times never last. Tough people do. We are all going to have challenges in life. We're all going to experience uh, adversary and negativity. We all got to go through trials and tribulations. We all got a cross to carry. Be a soldier of God and carry that baby with boldness and with courage. Am I making sense? That makes sense? Yes. That makes sense? With boldness and with courage. And do not and face your stand firm and face your fears. And when you stand firm and face your fears, believe me, they will flee. But you cannot run from your fears. You nobody can run. They will chase you until run you down. You're gonna have to stand <laughs> firm and chase and face them babies. That's what I would tell them. You did? Yes, ma'am, I did. So yeah. Um, your career. Um, first yeah. of all, I don't know if you running out the back of a school bus was your first indication. Like, bro, I'm fast. <laughs> yeah, that but- was it. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. My, my bullies made me r- one of the fastest runners in Pennsylvania. That's hilarious. That it, was it. It. Through your adversity, there, there's always a, a shining point in all of it, and, and that was your shining point. So, and um, that's what all of us care. That's yeah. what all of us. Anything negative that comes our way, we need to understand it. That's the adversary. But we need to understand as long as we have confidence, which is also considered faith in God, that he is going to handle. Look here. I was just telling these kids, as long as we listen to God's voice, you understand? He said he will handle our enemies. Or he will be the, an enemy to our enemies Make and an adversary to our adversaries. Yes. That makes sense? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am, it does. Um, so yeah. talk about your career and, and 
and the stem from it. I know you said your uncle used to spar with you and you're trying to get that key. Uh, talk a little bit about how you became the most dangerous woman in the world. First of all, that, that title alone is insane. And I want to elaborate on that because there's there's so many ways that you can take that title. You know, not just even because yeah. of your career, but being the world's most dangerous woman. Like, uh-huh. Miss Gibbs. <laughs> right? Talk about a title. Yeah. Yeah, that is an interesting title. Um, you know what? I like it. I do too. I do too. You, you should. Know, I like yeah. it. You, you know. You know why? Because it, like you said, it's more than just fighting. And believe me, everything that we do in life, it's a fight. You understand? Every step that we take and every step that we take to advance, it requires a fight. And you got to be dangerous. You understand? You got it. We we have to be. We have to use uh, our enemies as a stepping stone or a stool to go to the next level. It is what it is. All these great athletes do it. You understand? All these great ent- entertainers. You know? How'd your career start? You know, with your uncle getting you that key and, and just oh, transforming bullion. it into, you know, just yeah. who you are today. Yeah. Uh, bullying. Back to the bullying thing. I'll never forget him coming to me. And this was really special. And I tell people this, you know, this was so special for me. Um, the day that my mom found out that I was being bullied, she called my grandmother. Freedia doesn't want to go to this school anymore. <laughs> so we got to figure out how we can get her to a school down there near you. And they wanted to know why. And my mother told them, and to make a long story short, that's when my uncle came. Because I had no idea that he was a karate instructor. You know, mm-hmm. I had no idea. You know, but um, he came up to the crib. I'll never forget. He he said, is Freedia here? And my mother's like, yeah. He's like, look here, come here. I need to talk to you. And I'll never forget this here. We were walking down the street. Here I am, this 10-year-old kid, terrified, but happy to see him. And he put his arm on my shoulder. That's the part that I'll never forget. You understand? And we were walking down the street there. And he says, so I hear that you're being bullied. I said, yup. And he said, I also hear that you keep running. You want to transfer to school, to school, to school, to school, to school. I said, yep. He said, well, look at here, Freedom. And this applies to all of us. He said, you cannot run for the rest of your life. You can't live like that. What we're going to do, we need to rebuild your confidence. I said, what's confidence? Because I'm 10 years old. What is confidence? He said, confidence is having no doubt in who you are and who your God-given abilities are. Okay. Okay. He said, uh, I'm going to introduce you to karate. I was like, nah, 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 man. I don't want to fight. I don't want to. I don't want to fight. It's not about fighting. Like I said, we're going to rebuild your confidence. Girl, I threw over 10,000 kicks and one leg, 10,000 kicks and another leg. Threw over 10,000 kicks with punches with one arm. 10,000 punches I threw with another arm. I threw so many kicks and punches that how could it not have built my confidence? How could it not? And to be amongst these lethal masters, you understand? And these are entrepreneurs, doctors, judges, lawyers, etc. And I'm just this 10-year-old kid learning from them. You understand? And then I'm just growing and advancing and they're just still pouring all their knowledge into my cup, my empty cup and and, and helping me to be the lethal me. It is because of quiet storm. You understand? And and all the great trainers that I've had, but mainly quiet storm from Chester, Pennsylvania. That is my martial art foundation. 
Those guys are the ones who discovered me. Those guys are the ones who poured lethal knowledge into my empty cup. They sparred with me. And they taught me and they made it was just unbelievable. I can't I, I I'm proud. Today I realize, wow. Quiet Storm did it for me. And then what happened, you know, my uncle, what they we used to do, we used to spar every Saturday. Him and I, every Saturday. For one hour. He'd come in and, and put the key down. And I had to get the key, but I had to get past him. And for years, it happened like that. But I found myself getting stronger, using my mind more, because he would always say, listen, Fridia. And I wonder if he knew. Because people used to say that to me. He would say to me, listen, you got to learn how to use your mind, Fridia. A, d- a day may come where you won't be, might not be able to use your hands or your feet. you got to learn how to fight with your mind. This is what he used to always say to me. So him and I, we're sparring. He's teaching me all these techniques and how to attack a man, you know, his, his weakest points, his vital points, his weak areas. It was just an incredible experience. And this is what my uncle was teaching me. All this time, him and I going at it. And then I find myself getting stronger and taller and taller and stronger and stronger. Then I guess he felt, I think you're ready. And so then what he did, once I got past him, during the time that we were sparring, you know, before I got past him, he, he said, I think you're ready. I'll never forget this. He took me to a school in Philadelphia. There's one Saturday we didn't spar. He said, come on, we're going to do something different. So what we did, we went to the school in Philadelphia. I sat down. I had my gi and everything. And he says, um, I see him talking to the master. And then the master points to another girl who has a black belt. And I see the girl going in the back. And my uncle, he points to me. And he says, come here. I say, what? He said, go put on your gi. Okay, fine. I go put on my gi. And the next thing I know, here I am. I'm just a white belt. But I always wanted a black belt. But he used to always say, it's not about the belt. It's about the person in the belt, inside the gi. So here I am sparring this black belt. And we going at it. I went on. It was just like, but first before, I, I went on her. Right. I went on her. Just I, went, I dominated her. Because I had all that practice from my uncle. You dig? Right. I literally dominated her. And then when it was over, we were in the car. And we were analyzing and evaluating the situation, my uncle and I. He says, see that there? I told you it's not about the belt. Make sense? It does. But you were also sparring a grown man. <laughs> a grown man. <laughs> exactly. But see, see, and listen, men make us better. In every sport that I've participated in, I've excelled. And you need to understand, I've been in a male-dominated world. I've always been the only female in a male-dominated world. These guys have taught me the greatest challenge that I've had here on earth is competing Alongside of men who have forced me to be better than the average woman. That mm. makes sense? Yes, ma'am. It does. Yeah. They forced me to be great. And it's so amazing. Such a great experience from basketball being in a male dominant world, kickboxing, boxing. Incredible. It's incredible. Right. They really do make us better. Talk about, you know, being in martial arts because, you know, we don't see, well, now, you know, it's gotten, definitely has gotten better, but just talk about your beginning journey, being in such a male dominated field and how did you navigate, you know, being one of the few and competing against, you know, men? Yeah. All, all my competition, first of all, to answer your question, 
I grew up around eight, nine boys. Oh, you know, that, my mother help. has eight brothers and I have one brother. <laughs> so I grew up around nine boys. So I, it was something that I'm accustomed to. Right. You dig? Then when I went to karate, my sparring partners were all men. And it started from Quiet Storm. Mm-hmm. Here I am, 10, 11, 12, 15, 16, all the way up to 18 years old. My sparring partners were always all men. You dig? Mm-hmm. I go out into the world. My sparring partner's always men. When I did boxing, my sparring partner was uh, uh, Floyd, Floyd Mayweather and Oscar De La Hoya. And I, we all had the same sparring partner because we all were the same weight. So I sparred with champion men. And they all, and, and, and even in kickboxing, I sparred with champ. They only made me better because there were not many women there. You know, and this, that's why it's so special that the world is finally learning about who the real most dangerous woman is. You follow what I'm saying? Yes, ma'am. It makes sense, the real one, and that she exists. And um, uh, and I'm so happy to see so many more women getting into martial arts because I feel, Kiara, that every woman, only based on my own experience and journey in life, you understand that I'm an athletic woman. Every woman needs to learn how to kick and punch to save her life. Every woman needs to learn how to kick and punch. Every woman needs to also learn how to use a pistol. Every woman. I don't know how this happened. Because I, throughout my life, I'm so tired of hearing about this woman being hurt, 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 this, that, and y'all. And what is wrong? Why can't they protect themselves? Because us being feminine, we never know when we're going to meet our monster. Mm. It is what it is. So it's important for us to stay ready so we, we ain't got yeah, to get ready. Right. That makes sense? So you got any children, and every woman, every child, it should be a rule. The countries I go to, Thailand, all the girls are in Taekwondo, learning Thai, Muay Thai. Career, they're learning it. All the girls and guys. You know, Africa, you're everywhere in Europe. What's wrong with your America. Why are we so behind? Brazil. It is time. And particularly our people. Mm-hmm. That makes sense? Yes, it does. Yeah. So before we get into um, your statue, because that's an incredible feat, especially for a woman of color, um, talk about the night you shocked the world. I I saw that and I was like, the night that shocked the world for the most dangerous woman in the world. What happened that night and what were your emotions that night? You know what? I'm so glad you asked. And I, I, it feel, to answer your question, um, they didn't know who I was. I'm, I came from Philadelphia, Chester, Pennsylvania, and they didn't know my background. So I was underestimated. You dig? And that's because they didn't know who I was. Uh, they didn't know that I was already a superstar. And I knew what superstar treatment is all about because I was already one when I arrived in California and knocked on Benny Urquidez's door. But he didn't know that I was already yeah. a superstar in three different sports. Make sense? Um, I kept that quiet. But to make a long story short, uh, I got that fight for Valerie Hennon uh, uh, the, to fight the most dangerous woman in the world. And uh, I didn't know the magnitude. I had no idea the magnitude. I just thought, fighting the most dangerous woman in the world. What? And I thought to myself, here I go again. They always put me in fights where I got to fight for my life. 
Now I got to fight. Now they offer me a fight to fight the most dangerous woman in the world. This is what I said to my mom. My mom said, well, how the hell she going to be the most dangerous woman in the world when I am? She said, you go out there and tell her I said. This is what my mom, and when my mom said that, I kid you not, the energy, I felt my mom's power said, yeah, and energy. Yeah, yeah, What did my mom say, Kier? <laughs> she said that she was the most dangerous woman. <laughs> that sounds like such what, a mom comment. <laughs> and what else did she, and what did, what did my mom tell me to tell her? That she was the most dangerous. To recognize that the That's most right. dangerous woman is in Pennsylvania. That's right, exactly. And I'm the one your mama warned you about. You dig? But I'll never forget that there. And yeah, uh, Valerie, she came here. She had already had, and what was puzzling to me is that she had already had a six-figure movie contract here in America. Now, she's from France. Right, right, right. She already had a six-figure modeling contract here in America, and she's from France. She also is on Johnny Carson being promoted about the show because the show was also promoting Crow, Brandon Lee's movie The Crow. Yes, That's why I this was that. the biggest yeah. martial art pay-per-view card in the world. That's why it was international. And it was the biggest one, uh, the first biggest one. I'll never forget I was sitting with my trainers and they were like she was like uh yeah, I want to the question was how can you be the most dangerous woman in the world when you never fought anyone in northern America? Right. And she says, well, I want to fight Fledia Gibbs. And that's when I heard my name. I was like, wow, okay, yeah. But I should have been up there with her. It makes sense? Because I'm the American. So I felt that I should have been sitting up there with her while she was saying, challenging me. Right. Anyway, so I take the offer. I'm training, 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 training hard. The agreement was that we fight uh, uh, low legs, low kicks. Two days before, the day of the fight, we drove from Los Angeles to San Jose. I'm in the back of a van, a Volkswagen, and they got a mattress down, and I'm lying down on it. At that time, that's when I knew I was the underdog, because I know what royalty treatment is. Yeah. You make sense? Yeah. Because no ma'am, there's no way I'm driving from L.A. to San Jose in the... Exactly. No ma'am. In the back of a station wagon. Right. Yeah, I did. So what I did... I took that very personal, but I used that negativity as positivity, energy. I turned the negativity into a pot. This, I said, they don't know who I am. I understand that. I see that this is a setup. I said that, and that's why, you know, I, I just prayed. I prayed all the way there. I kept stayed in my prayer. I stayed with and my mom. I, I, I let them stay in my head, et cetera. We finally make it there to San Jose. As soon as we get there, they put me in my small little dressing room. You know, again, I, it's obvious that I'm being the underdog. Con- press conference time come. I'm standing there. Now, Maya has got me and my trainer, right? And she comes up with her entourage and his camera crew. She got about 50 people. And she walks up to me with this black dress on. Maya, I got on my bodysuit. I'm ready because yeah. I know it's time to fight. And I, I, I'm just upset because I just drove from San, L.A. to right. San, San Jose. So she comes up to me and she says, so I looked on the map and I couldn't find Chester. I'll never forget this. And everybody started laughing at me. Everybody started laughing. And I just walked up to her. I said, well, tonight you will find out where Chester is on the map. And I also want you to know that I'm the one your mama warned you about. Period. And I just stood there. So after they took pictures, etc., we went to our dressing room, 
And uh, it was obvious that I was young. It couldn't have been any more obvious. The dressing room that I had, it was just terrible. But to make a long story short, again, it's about turning negatives into positives. You dig? What the devil, what the enemy has set up for a negative, mm-hmm. God will make it to a positive. Yes, ma'am. That makes sense. Yes, ma'am. So I go out. They call me. Fleetia, it's time to come out. And I'm heated. I'm I'm upset, and that's my. And it takes a lot to get me upset because my mom used to always say, "Sissy, you should be mad about this." But that experience made me upset. I go out to the 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 arena there. I had, like I said, I had no idea the magnitude of the fight. When I went out in the arena, I was blo- I was about to leave. I, I kid you not. I thought to myself, "Oh my God, what have I gotten myself into?" That was my first thought. And my spirit ran. Right. But I, I stayed. That makes sense? Because I didn't know, like, wow, what if now the, you're fighting the most dangerous woman in the world? What do you think? You dig? So at that time, I had to, like, soldier up. Once I looked at the ring, because the ring was at a distance, and once I saw the ring, I realized my purpose for being there. And I kept hearing my trainer say to me, you got everything to gain, Freedia, and nothing to lose. You got everything to gain and nothing to lose. You dig? So we walk into the arena. And it was just amazing. It was just like walking. It, it was just it's just amazing. Something I never experienced before. It was an incredible experience. It was phenomenal. You hear me? It was spiritual. And at that time, I, I, was, I heard people yelling, that's the black girl who came here to get knocked out. I was surprised to hear that. And at that time, that's when I said a silent prayer to God. Tonight, Father, we are going to shock the world. Walked on to the ring. I'll never forget it. Get inside. Rub my shoulders, everything. My trainer, he thought that I was nervous. He said, you ready? I said, yeah, I'm ready, man. But I was real calm. Right. You did? Right. He said, I said, man, I'm ready. Just let the bell ring. And we fought. Now, what? Mind you. We fought. It was tough. Like I said, I got cuts under my eyes, stitches. You know, this girl was bad. And I see why they called her the most dangerous woman in the world. But no one is more powerful than our father. You follow what I'm saying? And my legs was getting tired. Third round, my legs was getting tired. And at that time, I had to dig deep because there's an old saying, greater is she that lives within than she that lives within the world. So I had to reach within. I didn't want to go down because they had already said that's the black girl who came here to get knocked out. You dig? So I knew that I was surrounded by enemies. You dig? So when I I, I knew my legs was getting tired at that time, I said, Father, my legs are getting tired. You got to help me. Those are my exact words. I'll never forget it. My legs are getting tired. You got to help me. And I threw one more kick. Boom. Then I came back. I just listened to the voice. Came back with a hook. Bam. Came back with another hook. Bam. Knocked her out. Bam. Right on my mom's uh, birthday. 816. Chuck Samadini has stopped the fight. And this is an all-time upset. A stunning upset. Valerie hit it. Struck with a, a looping punch. And then hit in the back of the head. And she turned. Legal blood. That's God's confirmation that not only were he's there, was he there with me and walked with me, 
You understand? But he heard me and he sent that picture as a confirmation that uh, he's real. You did? What you think? Uh, so wait, are you? I'm seeing your emotion behind this. When you tell that story, I mean, what kind of confirmation does that give you? Just seeing, you know, your, your tears and hearing it in your voice, just cracking. Like, I, I, it feels like more than just a testimony. It's, it, you know, what? Because you know what it is. Because uh, when you come from nothing and you come from negativity. And you turn the negativity into positive, and you prove those who have who wrong, and you're able to leave with your hands raised. It's such a great feeling. You understand? Especially when you're the underdog. I've been the underdog just pretty much all my life, Kier, and that's actually a good thing. You hear a lot of people say, "I like going in as the underdog." That makes sense. Yeah, and it's actually a good thing. You know, and I'm so excited now that my story is getting ready to be told. So let's uh, look at this uh, in reflection of that, your statue that's coming up um, from one of the greatest African-American women. Yeah. Athletes. As, uh, all wow. time. Miss Miss Gibbs, not not just yeah. the last ten years, not twenty, not 30, all time. Yeah. So talk about this statue uh, when you got the news, um, and I, I can only imagine seeing you talk about the the fight. I can only imagine your emotions when you heard about the statue. Like you you have a statue. Not know, everybody that's, can that's re- say that. That's true. Um, Wow, I have to thank the Los Angeles Sentinel for them. Uh, when I knocked out Valerie Hennon, they sent me an article uh, with me standing alongside of Jack Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yes. You did? And that was my reality check right there. Because that's when I really dropped to my knees like, oh, my God, I have not been realizing, Father, what I've been doing. I've only been in just enjoying the journey. Am I making sense to you? I'm enjoying the journey. But uh, I thank them in regards to the statue. I need to thank Phil Deminati and uh, Jennifer uh, uh, Fedosky Petri. She's the uh, sculpture uh, uh, queen. And the Sports Legend Museum there in Pennsylvania, in Wayne, Pennsylvania. They already had a statue of the greatest male athlete in Pennsylvania. But they didn't have any statues of any females. So what they had did, they took a nomination. Who is the greatest female in the state of Pennsylvania? And they selected me. And when they told me, I just, again, the same way I did when I received that uh, article from the Los Angeles Center with Jack Johnson and me next to each other, I dropped to my knees. It's the same thing that I did when I heard that they wanted to do a six-foot bronze statue of me. I dropped to my knees, and I thank God. You dig? You understand? I understand. I mean, I'm the only female... Thank God, all praises that to be the the first to be have the uh, combat statue on the planet alongside of Bruce Lee and Van Dam. That's major, and for and the only sister. Come on, that's major, right? That yeah yeah. So these are tears of joy. This is all tears of joy. 
the one thing I kind of want to talk about to not kind of deviate from, you know, the purpose of why we're here, but um, how did you know? Um, and this is even, you know, a question for me because this is something that, you know, I wonder all the time. But I see your emotion for me is confirmation of knowing when you're in your purpose. Like a lot of times you a lot of people go through life not knowing what they're supposed to do. But, you know, even you saying I was fighting for the journey because I loved it. It it didn't even dawn on me the things or the accomplishments that I've done. I was just happy to do what I love. So just before we head out, I really want to talk about being in your purpose and you know, understanding what your purpose is, being happy in your purpose, and just the confirmations that you get that you're in alignment of what God has for you. It's so important for us to be centered. You understand? And when I, when I hope that you understand when I say centered on a spiritual level. And uh, it's so important for us to listen, as my grandma would say, to the, uh, to the voice. I used to always say, what do you mean by the voice, grandma? You know, if you want me to understand who this person is, I, 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 you know, I got, and now you want me to say and do the right things, you know, what do you mean by this? But it's so, when the right man is speaking, he's going to tell us the right things. And that's often the first voice. Because Terrence Howard asked me the same question. It's often the first voice. Then the second one comes along, and that's trying to distract us from the journey. That makes sense? But um, most important thing is just to stay, stay centered. And I've always been taught to keep God first in everything that I do. And I can only pass that on to everyone. Our purpose is to serve. It's to serve other people. To show them that if I can do it, you can too. I came from these rocks. This tough, rough area. You know what I mean? And poor. But, and I came out and you can too. But you just got to believe. My last question for you, Miss Gibbs, is who is your real sports hero? Who does Miss Gibbs my, look up to? Who do I look up? That's Wilma Rudolph. All my yes. life, it's always been Wilma Rudolph. Wilma Rudolph, she was the first woman, athletic woman I saw that looked like me. And I kept her close to my heart. You understand? So thank you for asking me. Wilma Rudolph is. Absolutely. That's rare. You don't hear her name too often whenever describing heroes. So I, I'm glad that uh -huh. you you said her name. Yeah. Well, Miss Gibbs, I appreciate you. I appreciate you being the first woman that I get to interview on this podcast of such amazing stature and accomplishments and seeing your emotion. And it's very rare, not rare, but it's... It's comforting to see people who are happy with their journey, who's lived out their purpose and, you know, inspiring the next generation. And I can very much tell that you're a motivational speaker because <laughs> the way that you motivate just in interview, I can only imagine you doing it on purpose. So uh, thank you for joining us on Real Sports Heroes. And is there anything that you want to say before we head out? Thank you so much for having me. Um, only thing I want to say is um, if someone says that it can't be done, smile and then reply. Maybe it can't, but I won't be the one to have said so until I've tried. I'm going to put that on my, my affirmations board. 
<laughs> Thank you very much for having me, you guys. I really appreciate it. Got to do it again. Thanks for listening to Real Sports Heroes. Subscribe to the podcast to ensure you're notified when the next episode drops. And please take a second to rate and review the show. We want as many people as possible to be able to engage with our real sports heroes. And your ratings and reviews help other people find our show. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.